0: Hello and welcome to the Gatherings message of the week. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that through these messages God would inspire, challenge and encourage you. For more information about our church, please visit gatheringtohim.org. That's gathering number 2 hymn.org. Enjoy and be blessed. All right, good morning church. <clears throat> Before we start, I have a an announcement and, uh, and a confession to make. Um, for starters, our announcement is is the women's book study. Um, we'll be starting this coming Saturday at 9 a.m. Books are on the back table. Um, everybody ordered a book, or if you didn't order one, I got extras. They're twelve dollars a book, payable to me. On that, it didn't go through the church account. So, um, anyhow. So that's that. In my confession, Luke gave me an awesome introduction this morning, but everybody knows, uh, out of Todd and I, Todd has vision and I'm sort of the nuts and bolts guy that, that takes care of details. Well, if everybody knows it was cold in here this morning. And it's just now starting to warm up. I did not take care of details in... I neglected to keep up with the oil tanks and we ran out of oil sometime last night, I'm assuming. So ask you to forgive me. Because that like I said, I'm the hardest person on myself and and so is, in the midst of a while um, you know, beating myself up, lo, lo and behold, here comes the enemy, beating me up, and I'm all morning long I'm fighting this gigantic panic attack, you know, a failure. Um because one of the things I always teach, I grew up teaching my kids and I teach uh, my sons and daughters here is take care of business. Well I was really busy this week and we even talked about it at an elders meeting. What's the oil, that's the worst part of it. What's the oil look like? I said well it's been a mild winter. We was filled up in I don't know November or something like that and, and I probably should still be good and I have this really full schedule trying to organize Saturday night and and uh you know prepare for this morning. Well, I apologize. But it's getting warmer in here. And <laughs> and uh and hats off to Josh Varner and, and Neil for rescuing me and, and uh so thank you guys. Um sure the Lord will Yes. Um so so you don't have to wear your gloves this morning, Don. <laughs> um, okay, go ahead, Trenton. <clears throat> I want to start off this morning, how, how about, you all get something out of that financial seminar last night? I, I, I'm telling you, I was so pumped when I went home um, because we had such good teaching, um, you know Beth Ann Eicher um, was, was teaching from a banking perspective about uh, consumer fraud and FICA scores, something that, that sort of affects all of us and we, a lot of us don't have that much understanding about it and she made very clear a lot of those areas. And then we had Eric Kabler from Kabler Thomas Financial, and he started, he laid some groundwork for some basics of uh, retirement planning. Um, and so, so anyhow, so it, it was a great evening. Um, we had great fellowship and food, and, uh, and like I said, stuff like that, I, I was just really psyched. Um, now, for those of you who weren't here, Pastor Todd preached to my points last night, but they must be really important ones because they're going to get. Repreached this morning. Um, so anyhow, so I want to start with, with Deuteronomy 28 here. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and keep all his commandments that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter f- from you in seven. Isn't that cool? that, that that's a cool that's a cool blessing. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He is giving you. If you walk, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, the Lord will establish you as His holy people as He swore you He would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in all of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commandments of the Lord your God that I am giving you today... And if you carefully obey him, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after gods or worship them. So I don't know about you, but in my Bible, everything that I read took up one half of a page. Now coming after this is what happens if you don't obey the Lord your God. And if you choose not to walk in His ways, and in my Bible that takes up two complete pages of the curses that are to follow. I, I, I was just amazed by that. Um, so God's really serious about this. But I go on this with saying that the word that the Lord gave me this this year. Usually I have the word that my own personal word, and sometimes the word for the church. Um, usually. Before the first of the year, I have, a, I have a word of the Lord, but this year was nothing. I prayed and saw it, and there's nothing. During the fast last week, how ironic it is for today, but, but, but during the fast last week, the Lord gave me the word, and it was about choices. How fitting for today. <laughs> Our oil. <clears throat> so, but, but it all starts with a choice. This, all of these blessings and all these curses depend upon the choice that, you, that the nation of Israel will make, the choice that you will make. And this Sunday we're talking, this whole series coming up last couple of weeks has been about finances and about stewardship. It's a choice that we make. It, it's a physical choice that we make. And all of our lives, all of our, we're summed up with, by choices that we make throughout our life. And these blessings are dependent upon a choice. Now we can go, we all know that the Old Testament is a shadow of the goodness of the the New Covenant. But the New Covenant starts with a choice. The New Covenant says yes to salvation and says yes to God. And there's actually another choice that should be accomplished with the first one, but for some reason it's not. And that's saying yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that you are my Lord and Master And you're, I am turning my will over to you. For some reason in today's time, society, it seems like we've turned that into two choices. But it should just be one. The first choice that we make when we say, yes, the Lord, that you're my Lord and Savior, that we turn the will of our lives over to you at the same time. But in my experience, personally, and with most of the people I minister to, it seems to have evolved into two choices. Although God's word is only one. So so our our life comes down to choices that we make. The blessings that come, these blessings here um it in Israel at that time was was a aggregate culture. So they didn't necessarily have money, but their lambs, their the the live their livestock and their crops that was money. That that was what was used for currency. And so That blessing depended upon the choices that they make. Our lives today, everything that we do today is dependent upon the choices that we make. Just because we made a choice and says I do to the Lord doesn't mean every single one of our choices after that are going to be wise. They're wise if we stay in in the boundaries that He has established for us if we stay within within godly boundaries, then we're going to make godly choices because we are allowing Him to lead and guide and direct our life. But so many times in our life, we say yes, but we still want to do our own thing. We still want to live with one foot inside the boundary line and one foot out. Well, let me tell you, I've lived there. Those choices a lot of times end up not being godly choices. Or they're not necessarily sinful, but they're not the choices that that I would have made had I kept both feet inside the boundaries that God has established for me. So, what do choices look like that we make? You know, unfortunately, this last couple weeks... uh, Come across a couple circumstances, you realize that most of the choices that we make in life can be reversed. Um, now, God's forgiveness is always there, but unfortunately, there are some choices in this life that we make that can never be reversed and they can never be changed. And regardless if God forgives us or not, thankfully His grace, His mercy is enough. But be, that, but that choice because of what. Of what that choice was, it can never be. It can never be changed, ever. And so, my word to use this morning: be wise with our choices. Make our choices according, according to God's statutes and to God's leading and unction. And uh, it, you, you all know I'm, I'm transparent. I'm always transparent. I have made such unpoor choices that have had far-reaching ramifications. And, and because of some of my choices I have made, I have hurt people tremendously. Um, now, I can go back and, and repent. God's forgiven me, and I can go back and repent for, to those people who my choices affected. But, but that doesn't... Some of those choices change those people's lives, and not for the good. I can't change that. I can't change that. And I can't make them accept my forgiveness. And so so my plea to everybody this morning, these choices that we make, even seemingly little choices, run them through the cross. Run them through the cross. And this comes down to to our, our financial choices. Run them through the cross. Not every choice that we make financially is a godly choice. I have made mistakes financially that had lots of zeros attached to the end of them. Um, I'm just being honest. I thought I was doing the will of the Lord, but it was the will of Scott. Amen. And I made I've made some really poor business choices that cost me a lot. It set our family back. Now, the Lord's restored all that, but it—but for a season in our life, it really set things back. But now, how, we all know that God uses these times in our life to grow us up. And, and I personally grew immensely through that. And I learned, one of the things that I did learn through this process was, when the two become one in marriage, those choices are not made individually. And what I did, I, I, forso- I forsook the, the wise counsel of my mate. and I made, I made a business choice without seeking her counsel. Well, you know what? That choice didn't affect just me, that poor choice. It affected my entire family for a long period of time. And so, so when we go to choose, if you're married, Seek the counsel of your mate because they're, they have the other half of what you're lacking. And in my case, my wife has the most part of what I'm lacking, which is a lot. <laughs> Praise God for a godly woman. <clears throat> so, our choices, some of the choices we make define us and not in a healthy way. Like, I, I'm still looked at in a certain uh, viewpoint for my classmates, from choices I made. This is this is going to be, I think, 40 years this year, being out of, graduated from high school. But I still have classmates that view me from who I was 40 years ago. They have no concept of who I am now. And actually, they you know, I've had some of them laugh because, you know, I, I serve the Lord now. It, they laugh at me. They, they just absolutely can't, you know, refuse to believe it because of choices that I made back then, as we choose going forward, stop and think about, you know, all the poor choices I made and that I'm sure that some of you have made, they come because of we didn't stop and think about it, we didn't, if we were married, we didn't consult our spouse, Um, and most of the time, we definitely didn't consult God. The first, the first person of all that we should consult, and, and lean on counsel for. So I, I hope uh, my prayer is that you take this, these choices, because they, you know every day we're faced with choices to make. Um, most of them are simple choices. But some of them will have far-reaching, far-reaching effect. That when, we're, when that choice faces us, we're not thinking about how far down the road that that choice can affect not only myself, but other people that are involved. And so, I said, Word. I'm sure there's some there's some in here that uh, some of y'all in here that this word is what it's meant for also. So, so it's just not for me. Um, but like I said, choices, and and we come. So this is a financial Sunday. I've already shared some of the poor financial choices that I've made in my life. Um, and and uh, but it, it still come down to a choice. I still could have. Sought the counsel of the Lord. Sought the counsel of my mate. Um, I I don't know how how married couples do it, but but when we finally started out on changing our pathway financially, um, we had. uh, I'm the person that that uh, had an issue with spending, Um, and my wife did not. Well, in order to help myself become more disciplined in that, we came up and we sat down. If it was a a purchase of over $100, we did did two things. Number one, we waited at least 24 hours, most of the time two days. Um, Actually, three things. We prayed about it, and then for couples, we consulted. I consulted. Our, we consulted each other. Let me tell you, that eases up a lot of a lot of anxiety in your life whenever you come together like that. Especially if it's someone like me that was caught up in, you know, I, I just wasn't out and out full blown, but you know, crazy spender. But something caught my eye, and I caught the. Caught the fever like last night. I was telling everybody about, you know, uh, you know about emotional spending. Don't get caught up emotionally in the deal. That's the word. When you do, you have lost. You have lost any advantage because you're going to get reeled in like a sucker. It takes by waiting. It takes away the emotional, the emotional connection. By praying about it, it takes away the emotional connection. allows you to hear from God. And by counseling with your spouse, it keeps harmony in your marriage. And I am all about harmony in our marriage. So, anyhow, I have, uh, I have ten biblical principles that, that uh, Trish and I live by. And, uh, and actually, there, there's not one of these principles that, that most of you who are, are uh, um, responsible financially, that, that I'm sure that every one of you has lived by these same things. And so, so principle number one is that we have to understand that God is the source of everything. And of those of you that were here last night, Pastor Todd preached that. God is the source of everything. Genesis 1.1, the very first verse of the Bible, it says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So God created everything that we see. is part of God's creation, including our finances, including our jobs. That's all part of God. God created it all. He owns it all. Because too many times, too many times we get caught up in this place of, I made a, I have a really good job and so I'm pretty smart. I'm the one that made all this money or I'm the one that made these wise investments or it's God. I mean, let's just make this plain and simple. It's God. God is is the creator and author of all. Philippians 4.19 says this, My God will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which you have been given, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Everything comes from God. The blessings, the resources, the jobs. God is serious about blessing us. He wants us to have good things. He does. But when we start making poor choices, we take away from those blessings. In, In Proverbs, we'll have a lot of Proverbs today. In Proverbs 8, 20, 21, it says, I walk in righteousness in the path of justice. Those who love me will inherit wealth, and I will fill their treasuries. So, it's not Because Scott's so smart, or Mike's so smart, or whoever's so smart. It's because God loves us. And when we're obedient, and when we walk in His ways, and when we trust Him with our lives, He can't help but to bless us, and to cause us to overflow. Second Corinthians nine eight says, "And God will generously provide all of your needs. Then you will always have everything you need." Notice it says need, not want. Have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. What in the world, John? You said it so well last night. What in the world is the is any good with having a whole bunch of resources if you can't bless other people with it? If you can't, if you can't go and and in less kingdom work. If you can't help out the needy. You don't know how many people I've, I, that, I, that we counsel that says, well, I would really like, if I only had more money, I would really like to do this for that person or do this for the kingdom. Make wiser choices. Make wise choices with you. And then... Psalm 50, 10 and 12, this, this is something we we hear it said all the time, but this is something that, that just this year, it became a very personal with me. It says, all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills, for all the world is mine and everything in it. I won't go into details, but but just this past summer, my wife and I suffered a severe financial loss through no fault of our own. And it has been very difficult. But God is faithful, and, and, uh, and we're re- recovering from this. But right when that happened, we had a whole bunch of financial things going on. Um, you know, we're looking at purchasing another piece of real estate. I had already made a deal on a on a dump trailer, um, a few other things, and, and I just when I when I discovered uh, this this great loss, I, I was I, I was sitting on the couch and I was weeping. I, you know, God, I, I've been faithful. Um, you know, ever since ever since that that I firmly turned my life, I, I've been faithful to you. I've been faithful to your people, and I've never held anything back. And I'm like, God, I don't know what to do with all this stuff now because I, I have all these things. Can I get out of these financial transactions? I guess I could. You know, the Lord spoke one word to me. And the Lord spoke, said, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And I took, I, I took that. That encouraged me to keep moving forward with, with these things that I already had in motion. And trust me, it was not me that worked them out. It was God that worked them out in his faithfulness. And uh, in a, most of you that have been, been around here for a while, you know, you know there are, I wish I could say I was this, this absolute man of faith that trusts God implicitly with every single thing of my entire life. But here's another confession. There are some areas of my life that I trust God and things more than others. And I really don't like that about myself. Because I want to come to this place in my life where, where no matter what it is, I implicitly trust God. Well, finances are one of the things in my life that I implicitly trust God because I have personally experienced over and over and over again God's goodness and bounty when it comes to finances. And so, so when I heard this word, um, because of this great financial loss that we suffered, like there's no way any of this stuff can can happen continue but when i heard this word i knew that god was going to make it all work out now as we all know how god the great mysterious ways that god works it didn't work out exactly like i had planned in my head how many of us all know that when you know when god does things out it, it doesn't it's not always exactly how we thought it would go he worked everything out and so so that 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 scripture became absolutely alive to me it's it's one of those things that that I'll never forget as long as I live because I can point to this place in history where God spoke to me and caused it to be so and every single one of you can do that also if we make the right if we continue to make a lifetime of proper choices in our life like I said we're talking about we're talking about finances here but but I'm This includes life in general. Second principle is tithing and giving. And so we teach that pretty well here at the the Gather. We understand that tithing, um, Old Testament, New Testament is 10%. I just want to touch on a couple of verses right here. So one of the, one of the main ones is, is, uh, that we always use is, is Malachi. And if you go back in Ecclesiastes, there's some really good ones. There's really good tithing principles in various places of the Bible. But I'm just going to give you the ones that, that the Lord sort of highlighted to me. And Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. This is a really cool part. Try me and put it to the test. This is a promise. If you do, I'm going to pour. I don't know about you, but I like being poured. I like being poured on and uh, and I'll just I'll just share just a real quick testimony. Um, when I was growing up in a denominational church, I belonged to the five dollar bill club, and so did my family. And we all know what that was. When they passed the offering plate, you threw a five dollar bill in it, and that was good because you want to make sure the preacher stayed humble. You kept them in poverty that way. The teacher <laughs> stays hum- preacher stays humble. So. Lo and behold, the Lord gets a hold of my life, and I get filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm still Trish and I are still in the denominational church. Well, God starts putting people back in our life again. Put Rick and Don and, and Pastor Jim and and my Uncle Wayne and Vicky and and Russ and Jill Peruso. and, and so, so we had this Bible study going on that we was holding in our church, and Russ and Jill was leading, which. I, I won't go into that, but it caused a, just a gigantic amount of denominational angst. Um, but Russ was teaching about tithing, and this scripture come up, and all of us were five, members of a five-dollar bill club. And of course, by this time, I think it was twenty-dollar bill club, you know, inflation. <laughs> so, so you know, we were keeping up with inflation. So Russ challenges us for three months to put God to the test with this. Three months, tithe faithfully. So there was a whole bunch of us. Uh, Esther, Esther and Dave was, was in the group with us, and, and so Esther gave give testimony too. We tithed faithfully for three months, and... Our group never mentioned tithe again, but we had a date set, and at the end of three months, we came back and and revisited this, and there wasn't a single person that chose to tithe faithfully that God did not pour out His blessings upon. Now they weren't all just returned in financial means, um, spiritual means, family means. There were there were uh, you know families that were healed. You know, just just God was just. You know, God just doesn't you know, pour out one thing. He, he covers the whole spectrum. Whatever it is that the person needs the most, that's what God's going to pour out on a lot of times. And so, so we learned this principle um, of tithing, and, and that changed. That was the start of changing my family's ideas on financing and finances and trusting God in the process. Um, we will go over here to Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you pro- produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. He part. Honor the Lord with the best. Okay. What's the best that you have? So we, get, we have this, uh, always have this, this question, is how do you tithe, off the gross or the net? Let me ask you this, what's your best? What's the best that you have? Is it the gross or the net? And one last scripture for this. Luke 6.38. In Luke 6.38 says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap, the amount you give will determine the amount that you give back. You can't outgive God. Absolutely cannot outgive God. You know, there's a a, a concept that that we use. It's, it's called an, an open hand or closed hand concept when it comes to finances. Most people who do not have much, they live under the closed-hand concept, principle. And that principle is, is very little can come in and very little goes back out. Open-hand principle means that God's blessings can flow in and they flow out, which allows, allows for God's blessings to keep moving. And, uh, and that, that's one of like when I work with poor people. That's one of the, that's one of the biggest things that that I try and teach, um, that that they don't really don't get at all because they're just used. I, I don't have anything, and so what I have, I need to hold on to, and I can't let it go. And how many hoarders do we know? <laughs> I've known a bunch of my time. But if we if we live with an open hand principle, then. God's blessings can flow in, flow in this hand, in our body, in our in our uh, home, and then excess flows out, and we're able to bless the the body of Christ in whatever means by offering. So I, I encourage people live live with the open hand principle, and just see what God can do with that. So, the point I want to leave us with, you can't outgive give God. Absolutely can't out-give God. It's fun to try, though. <laughs> okay. okay, third principle <clears throat> is living on margin. I know what margin is. margin is this concept it, it simply allow means allowing room for things to happen okay that's what living on margin is and that it is a really good financial concept, but also for a personal one so so what does uh Use last night as an example. We were starting at three at 3:30. Well, I was getting all kinds of texts from people that, hey, I'm gonna be late, fire went out, roads are bad, blah blah blah. There's margin. We know the weather's bad. So leave it a little bit earlier. Um, being on time for things. Leave it a little bit earlier. Well, what's margin look like financially? Proverbs 27 12 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So, what's financial margin? I call it our emergency fund. And last night I taught you know that's as I was teaching I call it an emergency fund that that's we all know that there are going to come financial things in our life I call it Murphy Murphy's law if something can happen it will and it does every one of us has had Murphy uh, happen in our lives but if we if we plan for that margin of financial things takes it takes the pressure off it'll it allows it allows a a when the washing machine goes out okay that's it that's the emergency that would be for emergency fund washing machine goes out well I don't know I've never owned a new washing machine so I don't know what they cost but I, I think they're a bunch that they're, they're getting to be a bunch well if you have an emergency fund that can cover the washing machine well you know what all it was was a little bump in the road You know, maybe you had to go to the laundromat for a day or two until until we call Lowe's up and, and uh, where's Rudy I get Rudy to bring a new one down you know so so it's margin living in margin living making room for things to happen and, and like I said we call that emergency fund that's, that's uh Three to six months of living expenses. I'm not talking about going to eat out to eat expenses, but but three to six months of, of cover your electric bill, your your gas, your water, that type of stuff. Um, and well, we say to start out, a uh, single person start out with $500, a, a a young couple starting out start out with a thousand and build up from there, living living on margin because whenever. Whenever we have the margin in our lives, whether it's financially or, or if it's time, life's smoother. You know, rather than, than there being this gigantic valley, well, there's just a little dip in the road. Living a margin. It actually brings a lot of peace in your life. Fourth principle is saving. Proverbs 21:20 20 says this, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. I think we probably all know both of those people. So here's a couple of facts. The average person in our country, in the United States, average is only 3 weeks away from declaring bankruptcy. My jaw hit the floor when I was reading those facts. The average person has little or no savings. The average person has major credit card debt. And the average person totally relies on next week's paycheck just to stay afloat. That's average in our country. Those are really sad facts. Now, unfortunately, we live in this society of instant gratification, and so, you know, the main reason that most of us are poor savers, number one, is a lot of us, most of us weren't taught these foundational things, Um, but we live in a culture that does not practice self-denial. It's all about instant gratification, because we are bombarded with it everywhere, if you go buy this, it will make you feel good. If you get this new car, it will make you feel good. It only feels good till the first payment comes in. <laughs> or the first scratch gets on it. By making regular saving part of our, of our lifestyle, of our financial lifestyle, it makes provision not only for tomorrow, but for the future retirement. And so uh, I'm of the age right now where where I never thought I'd get here, but I have to start thinking about this thing called retirement. I don't have a clue what that looks like. How do you stop ministry? How, how do you just come up one day and say, okay, the call of God's no longer on my life? You know, at, at some point I'll, I'll stop receiving... Uh, a, a, a check, a paycheck. But how do you how do you stop? How do you, how do we, you know? A lot of people when we go to retire, we have more time to spend serving the Lord. But but like it, it, I've spent I've spent the last twenty years serving. How do you just stop that? I have I have no clue. I I don't intend on stopping it. I I intend on serving. And like I said at some point I won't take a paycheck anymore. But but I can't. The only time I'm going to stop is when I go out and feed first. So. <clears throat> so, but with saving, there's, how much of life we know is about balance, too? You know, we can be so consumed with saving that we forget what the important things are. We forget who it comes from. And so, so we need to keep a balance in saving. And we need to remember whose it really is, because if we just concentrate just on saving, some of our attention will tend to gravitate away from God. You know, I'm not saying don't say because I I'm a firm believer in it, but but there is balance. It, if we, we we need to keep our focus on who who created, who really who all comes from. But there is this place of saving a little over a long period of time. We had testimonies last night about saving a little over a long period of time adds up. Okay, fifth principle, and this is a really good, is keep out of unnecessary debt. And thus, when we do that, we avoid the debt trap. You know, borrowing for a house Is one thing. I gotta take a deep breath when I say this. Borrowing for a car is another. (laughs) You all know my stories, you heard John and Lori's last night. So but it is a reality for most people. But taking on taking on financial debt that is beyond your ability to pay in a long term, it's not good. It's another thing. Psalm thirty-seven, twenty-one says, the wicked borrow and they never repay. So let me put this into... I want you know there's so much bankruptcy that goes on today. Okay? And we have a banker in our midst and she was rolling her eyes. So yeah. Um, we borrow and we borrow and we borrow. We borrow more than we have the ability to pay for. And then somewhere along the line comes, and I talk to people, they throw in a towel. You think that that's the easy way out. That's not the easy way out. Getting out of debt is not easy, but it creates character in you when you're willing to, okay, I made these debts, and if I have to go deliver pizzas on the side on weekends to help get out of these debts, it builds character in a person. Here's a couple facts about debt. The average family, this is the United States, the average family spends more than it takes in each year, and most of that is in credit card debt. This statistics from the whole way back in 2001, so I can't can't even begin to imagine what it is right now. The average credit card holder has over $8,000 Balance of credit card debt, that's two thousand and one. What in the world, Bethany? Do you have any current statistics at all? Oh, it's definitely probably four times that. I, I would, I would surely, because because I know enough people that are uh, that we talk to that that uh, thirty thousand dollars doesn't even cut it today. Um, money debt. And money fights is the number one reason for divorce in America. Think about that one. So, God wants us to have wealth, and He wants us to have good stuff. But I really believe that God wants us to have this good stuff debt-free and paid for. Because how much more can you enjoy it? I mean, I always tell everybody, you know, we hear about vacations and stuff. And, and, you know, sometimes you go on vacation, sometimes you can't. Well, Trish and I budget a little bit at a time to go on vacation. There is nothing better than to come back from a vacation and owe anything. There's nothing better than that. There, absolutely, there's nothing better than that. So, so just as God uses money... To enrich and direct our lives, Satan you know we always know there's a counterfeit out there. Satan will use that same money to enslave and to shackle and enslave us in debt. there's another another psalm um, the, the, Here's another fact: the minute a person goes into debt, that person loses a portion of their freedom. Think about that one. And then the other proverb, 22.7, is this. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. If we allow ourselves to get deeply into debt, we lose, we actually lose freedom. We become, somebody else becomes our master. The banking system, the credit card company, whatever that might look like. So that principle, it's an important one. Stay out, keep out of unnecessary debt. And I always live by this crazy hick saying, is it a need or is it a greed? Well, Trust me, i got lots of greeds out there, I wouldn't mind, but thankfully the Lord's tempered those in my life. <clears throat> principle number six is learning how to be content with what you have. That is a, that's, that's not talked about a whole lot, but that's a really big one. Hebrews 13.5 says, Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. And 1 Timothy six six and 7 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Well, we're faced with a struggle. How do we achieve contentment when our culture screams out the exact opposite? that the only way to be content is to buy, buy, buy. The devil's plan is always to keep us discontented. Always, always wanting more, always wanting the next thing. Because discontentment will eventually lead us away from serving the Lord. I wish I had made, had coined the same, but I didn't. True contentment involves learning to love the will of the Lord regardless of our circumstances. In 2 Corinthians 6 was, 10, Paul was making this statement about, about the things that he has suffered for the gospel. And in this to me it sums it all up. So, so Paul's giving his plea to the Corinthian church, you know, that, that I have suffered all of these things for the gospel and I haven't asked anything out of you. Paul says, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Think about that. Learn to be content." it will go a long way with peace all around in your life. Number seventh principle, learn to keep records of your resources and to make a budget. God's word says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Through wisdom is a house built and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall its rooms be filled with all the precious and pleasant riches. That's from Proverbs 23 and 24. So so what's record keeping? Keeping track of your expenditures. How How many people in here know where their money goes? Every week. Yeah, some of us do. But like I said last night, I encourage everybody, track for one week just one week, every single penny you spend, and write it down, and then come back. And before you look at it, sit down, because likely you're going to pass out when you realize where a lot of your money went. And then to do to do finances correctly, you want to track your money for a whole month, because that gives you a whole month of income and see where it went to. Like I was having fun last night, you know. You know, but I, these are actual th- things that I have. People have told me when they did a tractor for a week, I realized that I was eating out my paycheck. I realized that sheets is my biggest downfall. They didn't have a clue. Every time they stopped it for gas, they walked out with $30 worth of junk. Track where your money goes. Keep record of it. I'm not talking about being fanatical about it, but... but if we don't know where our resources go, how can we direct it in the proper direction? Amen. Because God gave us our resources, and that those resources are meant for us to tell what to do. Because if we don't tell it what to do, it's going to leave. It's going to find stupid, silly ways to disappear. How many of you all know, just because if you have a really good job, make a bunch of money, you can still be broke. That's just a fact. Track your resources. Make a budget. Everybody knows me. I'm I'm an envelope system guy. Okay. Have some kind of a budget that that you use for yearly, monthly expenditures. Don't let... Don't let... December 1st, roll around, and all of a sudden you, just, you realize that it's Christmas this year. That's stupid. Christmas comes every December 25th. Plan for it. Or, just like with me, the oil just ran out. Plan for it. We did, I just didn't do my part of it. So, so plan. Make a budget. Um, I, I said last night there there are apps, and Beth Ann mentioned about one. There there are apps out there that that uh, um, you can use to set up with your savings account or your checking account that will that will help you distribute all your resources out, even though it's kept in one pot of the savings account. Uh, me, I'm sort of a simple guy. I can't figure that far ahead, so, so I use envelopes. And I have envelopes for my, my gas, insurance, taxes. How many people know taxes come twice a year? They used to creep up on me. I, Can you believe taxes are here? <laughs> well, now when tax time comes, it's pretty cool. I go get my envelope out and go down and pay a tax lady. It didn't surprise me. And that's, and that's the thing with a budget. Life sh- won't surprise you otherwise. And when it does, we have the margin built in for our emergency fund. So there's peace when we can account for all that God's given us and when it is doing what it is supposed to do according to... According to kingdom purposes and according to our own personal uh, budgets and lifestyle. The eighth one's really short, but it's a really important one. Don't co sign loans. (laughs) Can't believe how many people I talk to that do something like that. Proverbs 17.8 says this, It's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for a friend. You know when a person cosigns a loan for somebody else, that person is the one who is really borrowing the money because the bank can come back on the cosigner first before the person that he cosigned for. That's an amazing fact. So think about this. If a lender won't take the risk to loan the money to somebody, why would you do that? That's stupid. Seriously, it is. Now we all know that, that uh, those of us have, like when our, our kids are just starting, uh, this was one of our topics that came up last night. Well, when your 18-year-old kids are getting out of school, nobody's going to give them a credit card. And so what we had to do, we had to go co-sign a bank, a bank credit card for our daughters that had very, very low limits on them until they learned to understand and they built up enough of a credit rating so that a bank will be willing to take the risk or a credit card company be willing to take the risk to, to put them to have them their own credit card. Don't co sign loans. The better thing is, is if you have it, give it. If you have it, give it. With no strings attached. That's kingdom work. Number nine. Principle. Work hard. Work hard at what you do. Ecclesiastes nine ten says this: Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Genesis one one, God, our God worked hard. He's still hard at work. He's still, he's still working we need to work hard to whatever we do, whatever God has put our hands to. I really believe that the Lord expects us to work hard and be diligent in what what we do. Because you know what? There's value in it. Having a good work ethic builds character in a person, builds godly character in a person. Because we learn how to, to not only take instruction, maybe from people that I don't really want to take instruction from. You know, um, I had a couple of bad bosses in my time when I was working out in the world. And unfortunately, during that time, the Lord was just really starting to get a hold of my life. But man, there was a ton of rebellion in me yet. And so I go back to my pastor. Pastor Jim, this is driving me crazy. You know, I'm, you know, What's my pastor tell me? Same thing I tell everybody else now. You need to go back and repent to that boss for being a rebellious employee who's not doing his share. And You need to to tell that boss that I'm going to be the best from here on out. I'm going to be the best employee you have. You know what? I did that. I, I worked for big box, these big box store companies. And I had three really bad bosses at one time from different, different companies. I went to all three of them and repented. In it was only a couple months' time. Two of them got fired and one of them got saved. How cool is that? I didn't have to deal with them anymore. And the new bosses they got in were Christians. You know, so, so there is this thing about being obedient, working hard. <clears throat> because, let's face it, the reality is our real boss is God. Do everything as unto the Lord, including in the workplace. When we work hard, there's a couple things. they Number one, we're building character. Number one, I want to be excellent at everything that I do. When I'm at the workplace, it, it builds it builds this in you to to do the best that you can. When especially when we're serving the Lord, I don't want to serve the Lord just just be mediocre. I want God. I want to give God the best that I have all the time, and that includes going into our workplace. Because I'll tell you what, there's nothing worse than a born again Christian going into a workplace spouting Jesus this, this Jesus that, and being lazy. There's nothing out there that's going to turn a non-believer off than that. Do everything as unto the Lord. But here's a caution. This is one of the things I've struggled with in my own life, is being a workaholic. We can enjoy working so much that it takes the place of spending time with God. It takes the place of spending time with family. Um, You know, it wasn't even so much about the money for me. I just loved working. I'd be out there, especially self-employed, I'd be out there until 10, 11 o'clock every night of the week until I said the Lord started dealing me with this stuff. Give the best I have during my my business hours. Of course, there was emergencies when you're self-employed. Give the best that you have. But don't let the work over consume you. I'd rather be consumed with my passion for Christ. And finally, and this is one of the most important, which I think maybe is why it's last, last principle was to seek godly counsel in financial matters. Psalm 1-1 declares, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Meaning, I'm going to use this old Hicks sense. Term here. Don't go seeking financial advice from your friends who are just as poor, is just as bad a shape as you are. That's foolish. Why would you do that? When my daughters were in college, I'm I'm not. uh, This is just a fact. You know, you guys, young folks in college, and uh, that uh, when we started in the, I never went to college, but whenever we start to, to break the April springs from our parents, and we tend to really think we know it all, you know, when I was 18, I was really smart, let me tell you, my parents didn't know nothing, well guess what, when my daughters got 18 and went to college, they were so smart, I didn't know how I lived for 50 years. Because they were pointing out everything I did wrong. Until difficult times started coming up in their lives. And and then they started to realize that mom and dad maybe not as dumb as they look. You know, of course they always went to their peers first, and you know, well, my friend says this and my friend says that. And I'm like, your friend is in the same position as you are. Why would you take advice from somebody that's in that same place? Just saying. <coughs> Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans go wrong for the lack of advice. Many advisors, especially godly ones, bring success. So take advice from, from godly men and women, especially those who do well. This, this is a really key point. This is, this is thus saith Scott here. So in my mind, it's important. Take advice from godly men and women especially those who do well with a little let me say that again especially those who do well with a little because those are men and women who have found a way maybe for whatever for whatever their circumstances are right now their income isn't real isn't real strong but they're surviving and not only surviving but they're thriving on it they have found that's somebody I want to take advice from. And not that you don't want to take advice from people who have, uh, you know, giant 401Ks or, or who make a lot of money. But just because you make a lot of money or have a job that pays extremely well doesn't mean you're good with your money. Sometimes it just means that you have a really good job that you make a lot of money at and you haven't found a way to outspend it yet. So my encouragement to people, whenever you go, if you're buying a house or or purchasing a car, do these things. Pray about it. Seek the counsel of godly people. When you do that, it can keep you from making a lot of mistakes. You know, the main reason most people don't seek godly counsel is they don't want to be told by someone that their intended action might not be very wise. They just want to do what they want to do. But seek seek godly counsel. Seek advice from people who you see are successful, um, with with life and and finances and stuff. So, ending here, if if we follow if we follow these biblical principles, um, you know, just so you know, like. I wasn't just preaching to you today, I was preaching to me. Trisha and I, we live by these principles. and It has helped to guide our life through financial ups and downs because we all know that you know, jobs change, careers change, sometimes a lot of times through no fault of our own. Jobs go away at times and we have to take and start over or, or through various different things, reasons, a person's financial situation can change. But if you, if you follow these, these biblical principles, if you stay on them patiently in, through longevity and a little bit at a time, you end up in this position to receive, especially when, when God really starts to pour. You know, I always take this picture. I actually, I think it might have been Dawn or, or Vicky that used this illustration one time in a, in a message. Just picture God with his blessings, his pitcher. And, and there's a cup. You're the cup. Well, if you're not positioned underneath the pitcher, you're only going to get what splatters off the table and bounces in your cup. I want to be positioned. Live faithfully so that you are positioned correctly so that when God pours, you're going to receive every last little bit of it. But the key thing to remember it all starts with a choice. And that choice is saying yes to the Lord. Amen. 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 Father, just thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, Father, I thank you for helping us to overcome the obstacles of, of running out of oil this morning. And so, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you created everything in it, this earth and everything in it. And so, Father, I just want to be submitted to your will and to your way and to follow your principles and your statutes. Father, your word says you want to bless us. I want all your blessings. We want all your blessings. You bless us just because you love us. But there are certain things in your word that says if you do this, I will pour out my blessings, and we want all of it. So, Father, I pray that every single one of us would would take take your wise counsel that you have written in this book, this this love letter, because that's what it is. This is a love letter. Every single one of us. It It has everything we need for life in this book from start to finish. There's nothing, there's nothing, no situation that that is not included in here in your words of life and love. And so, Father, I, I just pray that we would just, as we go forth, that we would continue to walk in your love and walk in your goodness and say yes and amen to when you're calling for us. Thank you, Father. Amen.